Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, everyone. I have Lane Walker here today. So Lane is a principal at a technical school that started out writing uh, hunting articles and working for a sports magazine and has over the last few years come out with three sets of chapter books on hunting, fishing, and sports for middle grade kids. Uh, Do you want to tell us a little bit more about those? Yeah, so um, it's kind of a it's, a, it's a great story. I, I grew up playing sports. I always knew I wanted to be a principal, a teacher. I wanted to coach. I wanted to work with kids. And uh, when I was teaching fifth grade, I had one of my best students in the library and I couldn't find him a book. I went to where the red ferns grow, hatchet, um, you know, Gary Paulson books, things that I liked yeah. as a boy because I, I wasn't a big reader. I still am not a huge reader. I'd rather write than read. And uh, especially boys, it's really hard to find middle books for grades four through 11th grade, really. Um, the, one of the biggest honors I have is I have a lot of adults that buy them and like the books and they're really designed for middle readers. But Absolutely. Um, I, I'm reading one right now and thoroughly enjoying it. So yeah. Yeah. So the kid, he just looked at me and said, you know, I've read all those books, Mr. Walker, if you wrote a book about hunting, that's something I would read. And I went, really, that's a great idea. And at the time I was writing for some, a major hunting magazine and I had worked at a newspaper for three years as a sports reporter. So I had a pretty good writing background and it kind of was just a seed plant, you know, and then uh, two, three years later, the Lord spoke to me in the middle of the night and said, you're going to write a book. You're going to call it Legend of the Ghost Buck. And here's what it's about. And I, I woke up and I went down and this was with desktop computers. I mean, this is, you know, 12. My girls were four when the first book came out and they're going to be 17. So 13 years ago, I went down, went to my office and I, I wrote, stayed up to about three in the morning, wrote eight chapters of the Legend of the Ghost Buck. And um, the next day, my wife's a teacher, and I said, hey, I have this crazy idea, and I shared it with her, and she said, wow, I think kids would really enjoy that. So I finished the ghost buck. I bought 200 copies, and at the time, I thought if I sold 200 copies, that's pretty cool, and within two days, I had they were all sold, and this was, right when, yeah, this was right when Facebook and social media was just, I didn't know how to use it. I mean, uh, I had a buddy that owned a local store in my hometown and people, I said, if you want one, you can go up there. And we sold them. And I just said, wow, this is something that could really stick. And Absolutely. then I wrote, yeah, then I wrote the hunt for Scarface um, and the Terra Deadwood, I, Deadwood Lake uh, books two and three, and then started getting in Barnes and Noble, Amazon. And um, I did a lot of hunting shows. I mean, the first five years I grinded all weekend at hunting shows. I met so many great people. I sold a ton of books, but it's a lot of work. You know, I'd get oh. there Friday morning and, and leave Sunday night. And I always told myself that if I, I want to be a dad before anything else, anything that takes away from being a dad, as my kids got older and got into sports, I just stopped doing less shows because I was gone. I wanted to see them, wanted to be home more. And uh, for a couple of years, I, I, I didn't write any books. I just, we sold on Amazon on my website and uh, I met a a partner in uh, Minnesota that contacted me and said, Hey, I think I can help you market these books. And him and I struck up a business relationship. And I, when we were on the phone, I said, you know, I, I do have an idea for these fishing books. I said, kids love the fish. I love the fish. I said, I want to call them the fishing chronicles. And he said, Oh my goodness, that's a great idea. I don't, there's no middle school books for kids. So I there wrote are. chronicles. Uh, that was the next series. 
and they won a gold medal, which I'm really proud of because, you know, hunting, fishing, sport, they all click. It's real uh, clicky, you know, uh, demographic that likes them. And it's very the, relatable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, the, and the hunting books won a bronze medal, which is pretty amazing because hunting, you know, some people love hunting and some people, depending on where you live, don't. And uh, that won a bronze medal. And then I followed it up with a gold medal series. And then from there, it just kind of catapulted, you know, and then I started the sports books and um, released those in August. And they're all number one bestsellers on Amazon, which is such a blessing. And I actually have a golf book that's coming out in March that's done and being printed. And I'm going to I'm finishing up a soccer book that'll be out probably in June. That's so great to just reach out and hit those demographics of kids that, you know, so many books are written to the urban kids and the majority of our country is not urban kids. And a lot of those urban kids want to know more about what's happening outside of the city. I went on so many adventures growing up. My dad was a taxidermist. Um, I learned so much hunting and fishing, being outside that, you know, where I live, it's, it's not only accepted, but it's a brace. We all, everybody hunts and fishes and it's part of our lifestyle. And I have a lot of kids that never did before will read the book and, and say, I, I told my dad I want to go hunting. So that's pretty cool, you know, but um, every book has a good moral in it. You're reading the Lost Deer Camp. There's a good moral in it. There's a good lesson to be learned. Um, kids, even if they don't really love to hunt or fish, they'll get a good adventure story out of each book. I like it. So you touched a little bit on your background, which we were talking before the call and holy moly, I don't even think some of my listeners know all of my background on some of this, but we have a very similar background. Tell me a little bit about your growing up in the hunting world. Yes. So in the fall, it was, it was magical at our house. My dad was a taxidermist and, you know, every night a truck would back in and here's a huge buck and we'd tell stories and listen. And when, when I was young and even in high school, we only went on family vacations. If we were in Saskatchewan, bear hunting, we went to uh, Colorado elk hunting. I mean, that was kind of what we did as a family. And I had actually never been camping until I was probably in my twenties because it was always deer camp or bear camp. It was never yeah. just a yeah, camping that, trip. I was like, what do you do on those trips? <laughs> well, that's that, that all that stuff. So the cool thing about the books is everything that happened I knew happened for a reason and set me up. My experiences um, helped give me the background to be able to write about this kind of stuff. I, I really was, I, and I still am, I still hunt and fish a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, growing up with stories and people and seeing the excitement around hunting was a blessing. And then in college, I, I got a job as a sports reporter, which is pretty cool. I would cover games, take pictures, write up sports articles. And the other byproduct of that, that I didn't even know was happening at the time, but I, I really got good at typing. So I had to type because I had a deadline every night. So typing became kind of second nature for me, which helps tremendously with writing a book because I can type really fast. But I did that for three years. Uh, one of my dad's best friends is a, is a big sports uh, outdoor writer in Michigan. And he said, hey, you're a great writer. You should write for hunting magazines. You can get some free gear and, you know, you love hunting. So, wow, that sounds great. I mean, I'm 19. I have no money. Yeah. I love hunting. You know, I thought this was great. So I wrote my first article, got a couple of grunt calls. And then from there on, it was full bore. And I wrote for about 10 years and probably had 250 articles published professionally, which was awesome. And that was right before I started writing the books. I kind of stopped writing for magazines because, I mean, I can only write. <laughs> I'm pretty busy. When I retire, I'll probably go back to writing hunting articles, too, in addition. But, um, you know, being a full-time principal, four kids, I, I really, I'm not going to miss out on being a dad. But the greatest thing about writing a book is I can write at midnight. I can write at four in the morning, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, that's one, that's one occupation that really can work around my schedule. Yeah. I actually, I write a lot at night and then I worked out a deal with my kids, my older kids, where 
they get up at the normal time and feed and then the babies get up and they do breakfast so that I can get that extra hour or so after I was up till two in the morning <laughs> writing. Yeah. And I'd rather write at night than in the mornings, but there's been times that I'm just restless when I get up at three and I get three hours of just solid writing. In. And mm-hmm. so Well, it's, it's hard to life. write when you have a house full of kids and, you know, it we're, is. we're homeschoolers. So there's, there's no breaks, especially in the winter time. I'm like, I can't even tell them to get out. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And everything's closing in on you. Every room you go in, there's someone or something you got to hurdle over and I, yeah, I get it. I mean, even oh. my office, my bathroom here is the only um, like big tub in the house. So then that's where the babies get their baths at night. And so then my kids are stringing in and out of here, like helping babies with their baths and there's dirty laundry. And then I come in in the morning to do a podcast and I'm like, what happened to my office? Life, life happened, right? I mean, life <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I guess as a, you know, a homeschool and homestead podcaster, I can be like, yeah, that's my life happening behind me. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's real. I mean, that's, that's, that's the daily life. You know, my my, I have twins, so I started off with twins that are juniors and a freshman and then a seven-year-old son. So, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. And uh, Yeah, the, our the grades great... are 14. Oh, yeah, buckle up. It's it's about to get real fun. And Luckily, <laughs> being homeschooled, boy, they right? have a boy and a girl. Oh, okay. Luckily, being homeschooled, they're pretty... We have a little bit of a different relationship than like we even have with our 17-year-old who didn't start homeschooling till junior high. Um, you know, he definitely still has a lot of those behaviors that, you know, and it's not even like a public school versus homeschool thing. It's just, I know the relationship I even had with my parents as a teenager being a public school kid versus the relationship I have with my homeschool kids. It's a complete like 180. And you're together more, right? You're Mm -hmm. you're way more time together. And, you know, I, I do we sell a lot of books and I have a lot of homeschool organizations that buy them and use them, which makes me happy. I have a lot of uh, Mennonite and Amish people that really like the mm. books because the yep. there's a lesson in them that we sell too. So absolutely, I wanted, books, I wanted the books to impact any kid that wanted adventure and wanted a good moral and a, a good outdoor story. I really love that. Um, you know, I, I'd like to hear a little bit more of your thoughts on kids hunting and just kind of kids being immersed in that culture. Yeah, so I'm blessed. I live in the thumb of Michigan. And like I said, hunting and fishing is ingrained. I mean, I would say that if you don't hunt and fish, it's it's almost an anomaly. Like, you know, I mean, oh, you right. don't? Wow. Okay. Yeah, um, I live I, in North Idaho. So, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so it'd be similar. <laughs> like I said, we have, a, we have a pontoon boat. We fish. I love mm-hmm. to be around the water, run the water all summer. Um, there's nowhere I'd rather be on a cold November day than in a tree stand. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you that. That's kind of my sanctuary. Um so yeah, I mean, I grew where we live. It's 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 the outdoor lifestyle, and I I really feel like now. I mean, I, every day I work with kids. That's my job. That's what it's my, been my job for 22 years. And I think that now more than ever, kids need nature and need the outdoors mm-hmm. and need phones and screen times and uh, a lot of the things they're seeing on social media and just connect with silence and peace and the the, the natural beauty of being in the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean. I'm writing a book right now on raising self-sufficient kids. And one of the things that I talk about is just, they say that the, you know, the five people you spend most of your time with have the most influence on you. And really one of those people or more that your kids are spending time with is an electronic. You almost like put them in that persona box. 
And that's where your kids are getting such a big influence. And that's what I love about being out in the woods. Even my kids who have cell phones, they don't have service. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what a kid loses their phone or breaks it. It's almost like the end of like you lost a best friend. Like, you know, I mean, it really mm-hmm. is, you know. Well, I mean, even as an adult, I know that I couldn't run my businesses without my phone. I would be yeah. lost. Right. But what we that's really work on. Work. I use it all the time, but. You're mm-hmm. right, though. Like, even hunting, I text my buddies, "Hey, what are you seeing? Hey, look at the pictures. Look at this rub. Look at mm-hmm. this scrape." You know, I mean, we we use it, but like, I don't know if you can see, but this book right here, this the Boss Hunter Redemption Road, uh-huh. that's about a kid in Colorado that lives in the city, grows up in Denver, and dad loses his job and he has to move in the middle of nowhere in Colorado and really learn what it's like to get away from video games and that city mm-hmm. lifestyle. And he sees some beautiful things he never knew existed. Oh wow, that's a really yeah. I see in our homestead circles that we're in, a lot of families are saying, you know, we're done with the city and they're moving out into the country. And some of them have older kids that are like, this is, they have no clue how to embrace it. So that's a really good book to point people in the direction of. Yeah. And it's crazy because like I said, we're using technology now. So, I mean, you, you have to learn to adapt and it is absolutely, you know, I'm not going to drive to Idaho or fly to Idaho when I live in Michigan for a podcast, but it's amazing that we can connect, talk, have a have a real conversation. You know, so there's good things with technology Absolutely. too, but I just gotta be very careful with kids and you have to it's making kids grow up too fast. They're seeing things they shouldn't see. Um, so yeah, so I that that's why I love the books. I mean, some of the books are um uh, ebooks, um, but I really was reluctant because I love seeing a kid holding a book with covers on by the fireplace reading, you know, diving into that book. Right. Um, but I had some kids that, you know, had some issues where the ebooks will read to them. So we did convert some of them mm-hmm. to ebooks for that. But I really, the value of a good book will never go away. Oh, I 100% agree. I'm usually reading about three books at a time. So I have one on my Kindle, but I've never loved, or my Kindle app on my phone, but mm-hmm. I have never loved reading a digital book. Mm-hmm. But when I'm always trying to read so much and get through so much information, being able to have something that I can have with me all the time where I can read, especially when I'm on flights and stuff. Yeah. When I travel on a Kindle, that's exactly it. I'll read it, but I don't love mm-hmm. it. I don't and I'm the one who my carry on is my laptop uh, bag shoved full of textbooks that I'm reading anyways. <laughs> so if I can have a couple extra books on my Kindle, that's much easier on the shoulders going through. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, definitely with electronics, we try to model to our kids that, they're tools. They were designed to be tools. And sometimes that tool is for entertainment, but it's not the only source of entertainment that there is out there. So we do a phone check at the end of the day. Like how many hours were you on versus how many hours was I on? Well, I run a business off mine and I was on less than you. So maybe you should check your hours. I really hope that it, it, the trend eventually cell phones will never go away. But I think that more and more kids are going to yearn for being in the outdoors and some of those natural things. Mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely seeing there's kind of two movements happening at once. There's the three second uh, attention span. And then there's another set that's going, I want something more than this. Mm-hmm. And it is with some of, you know, a little bit older teens, twenties, even up into the thirties, but they're going, I'm done with all of, the social media three second that that's all that matters. Like I want to learn more. I want to work with my hands. I want to 
reconnect. And that's a really exciting movement to see too. People are liking our tweeting and photo, you know. I mean, that's going to get old, I think, eventually. Real yeah. relationships, you know, hopefully will be restored. Yeah, I missed the first part of that. There was a little bit of a. Well, I just said the kids are so driven to get likes on their on their social media pages. You know how many people liked it? Did they see this picture mm-hmm. and stuff? And I think that stuff is 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 causing a lot of ment- like social emotional issues for kids. You know, worrying about that kind of stuff, but at the same time, it's not going away. Um, I hope kids realize that it's a phone, the interpersonal mm-hmm. stuff, having a conversation is still important. But yeah, like you said, there's goods and bad. But I, I have always, my goal with the book is I just wanted kids to be able to just find a place and have an adventure that they don't want to, every page that ends a chapter, they want to read another chapter. You know, I really try to make it so you want to read one more chapter, one more chapter, because growing up, I didn't have a ton of books. I don't like to read I can't sit still for very long. I mean, I, you know, I'm a, I was a typical boy, probably even had ADHD and was full bore boy. And I, mm-hmm. but I, if I had a good book, I think I like these, I think I would have read them. Well, that's, I was a little bummed. I have a 17 year old who trying to get him to read is like pulling teeth and it always has been. And I'm like, man, if I would have had, which some of your books were out seven or eight years ago, I just didn't know about them. I found yeah. them in the last couple of years and I wish I would have had those for him because I think we would have gotten a lot more reading out of him because that's his, that's all he cares about is hunting and fishing. So. So I did a lot of research when I was writing a ghost book, because I think, you know, there's so many books on the market. I I read an article years ago that you got to find a niche or something. You want to limit the competition of your books. Right. So um, I knew the sports books, there's a wider competition. Well, with the hunting and fishing books, it was a very slim um, competition. And I, you know, from business sense, well, this is what I know. I know hunting and fishing. I know adventure. I know that age group. Uh, it was the perfect storm for me to write that that type of book. Well, I mean, I don't know if you looked into me at all before we talked. I actually have a homeschool curriculum that is literally the only one like that in its realm, and it's homestead science. And I mean, it's a 300-page textbook covering all of life science, you know, biology, microbiology, entomology, all of it through the lens of a practical small scale homestead. And I mean, it has gone crazy because it's what people really are desiring at this point. Hard to write technical writing like that. That's, I mean, I'm telling the story, you know, my technical writing is much, much more difficult for me. Well, you know, I majored in agriculture, so that was my that was my wheelhouse anyways. And I write it to about an eighth grade level. Mm-hmm. And I do that on purpose because when I was working in food plants um, after college, everything was about you write to an eighth grade level because that was the average um, age of the workers in food plants or the average um, completed grade level. Yeah, and so that was all I did is I was a trained technical writer writing quality assurance and food safety for these food plants. And then I just kind of translated it to teaching what I knew. And I tell people all the time, my books are not complicated. There's a simple story and message, but there's some twists and turns. And it's just, you know, when I start reading stuff that's too technical or people try to talk over my head, it's kind of a turnoff for me. So I knew I wanted to write something that kids could just enjoy and could smile and want to be in the adventure. That was my goal. I wanted them to be immersed and feel what it was like when he saw this ghost buck in his tree stand for the first time or the, the lost deer camp. I don't know what part you're in, but there's a part when he finds this run down deer camp in the middle of nowhere 
And I wanted kids to feel like they were standing in the northern Michigan woods looking around at this abandoned city, you know. And mm-hmm. so I agree. And uh, it's important to, for me to use imagery that gets kids excited and wants to keep reading. And, I, you know, that's one thing that I think the books do a good job of. Be able to paint that picture for sure. I know that my five-year-old, he gets, ex- you know, we read a chapter every night and he gets really excited. He wants to know what happens next. And I like to ask him what happened the night before. And he's able to really explain it to me. Now, I mean, this kid, he has a very big vocabulary, but he's recalling all the information. And so that's telling me that you're painting a really good picture for him. That's good to hear. So especially a five-year-old, he has a, his fort is an old deer stand right now. So (laughs) That's the best days. Those are the good old days. Uh And I can actually sit right here and see it from my office window. So it's great. He can go out there and play and I can make sure he's safe and it's, you know, the guys still during hunting season drag their chairs out there and watch the canyon. We're on oh, 40 awesome. acres, so we're kind of blessed that we get to hunt right here on our property. I, I try not to get all of our deer off our property, but when we get towards the end of hunting season, I'll let the boys go out there and try to, you know, pick off a deer right at the end. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's awesome. Yeah, so I still hunt and fish a lot. I mean, it's still, I do it with my dad, my brother, my my daughters all have killed multiple bucks. My son is killed his first year this year at seven years old. So it's still good for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. That was my 14 year old. He got his first deer when he was 11 barefoot standing on our front porch on Thanksgiving morning. (laughs) So when you know, you live in the country, that's a good, (laughs) right. My husband was starting the Turkey in the smoker and he comes to the door and he's like, send Kate out. He's like whispering. And I'm like, I knew exactly what was going on. I'm like, get out the door. He's like, I don't have shoes. I'm all get out the door. (laughs) What a Thanksgiving he'll remember. Everybody will remember forever. You know? Yeah. And it was like perfect timing as, as soon as he hit it. Um, our in-laws came driving down the road and a bunch of kids came piling out and all the kids went and tracked this deer down. And it was yeah. like a family adventure, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Good times. So um, is there anything else that you want to add about your books? No, I mean, it's just been a blessing. Like I said, I, you know, during, I took this three-year time period where I was just writing. And like I said, I never wanted anything to interfere with being a dad. And as my Mm -hmm. kids got older, we got involved in things. So for three years, we just sent out books, sent out books. And I had this this partner approach me, a business partner, and he's a marketing guy. And uh, him and I have a great relationship. And he really multiplied people seeing the books. I knew, I always knew there was a demand for the books. Um, When I first started, for, for two years, I tried to get in Cabela's and I was super close twice. And I just thought that would be, if I got into Cabela's, I'd sell a million of these books. I mean, this oh, is yeah. what, and I was super close. And then uh, they actually sold out to Bass Pro and mm-hmm. I was trying at that. T- so everything, it, you know, it, did, it didn't happen. And um, I was pretty bummed and I thought that was the route and got a different plan for me. And we we've sold a ton of books and, we're starting to get, get into some major retail now, uh, especially in Canada. Canada's a, nice. a, a, yeah. Yeah, Canada's huge for us. But even in the United States, we sell all over. And along that time, when I was really, I always knew God had a plan for the books. I never doubted. You know, I knew that they kids wanted to read them. I knew it was good content. Mm-hmm. And I'd get an email from South Dakota, Alaska, the North Pole, saying thank you. You know, and I, I just kept at it, and it, it paid off. You know, there's times when you write books that you. You know, there's so many competition and this and that. And I just always had the faith that the books would would be a success. 
you know, I don't doubt it. And like I said, I see your books all over the place and I'm excited all the time because I think this is such a great set of books for that age group, boys and girls. I mean, I was the hunting girl, so. Um, That's funny. I, I, get that, I get that question all the time. You don't write girls books. Well, I laugh because I, I have three daughters and mm-hmm. I do. Book five is all about a, the, the female, uh, the main character is a female. The Day of Rain Ducks is about a daughter and her dad. Um, in my fishing books, the search for Big Lou is about these two girls that become best friends at a summer camp. Um, the Ice Queen is about this girl and her brother. I mean, so they don't see them on the covers and they don't realize mm-hmm. that the Rain Ducks is actually a girl with a ponytail. I don't know if you can see that, picture, but that's a ponytail. So, okay, yeah, I see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, every book has girl characters, so I just usually just say whatever, but people are always looking for something to complain about, but there's boys, right. girls, it's for everybody. Well, I think a lot of people see it and just assume it's for boys. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've never been on board with that because like I said, I was the girl that hunted and my dad treated me. My 15 year old's killing five bucks. Already. Yeah. That's okay. You know, she, they love to hunt and fish, but you know, sometimes the storyline is, you know, lost deer camp is about a boy. <laughs> it's his, he's searching, he's going through a rough time. Um, and he's searching and he finds something in the outdoors he didn't find in Detroit, mm-hmm. you know. Um, well, I kind of laughed when you said that you you would do the big outdoor shows and that you wanted to be home with the kids. My favorite times with my dad was going to those shows. I'd go yeah. work the booth with him for, you know, all season <laughs> long. That, that was when it was like perfect synergy when I had my kids. Then they got into AU basketball and they got into things on the weekend and I had to make choices and I just it was hard and it's a ton of work. Those outdoor shows, you talk from the second, I mean, it, it's a hustle. And oh, I, I know it. I'm getting ready to go do, um, a homeschool convention and it's a three day convention. And I remember, it's, I mean, and I do the homestead ones and I mean, it is, yeah. oh, it's a lot. Like I bring a family member with me just as a support person for me. And I sold a ton of books and this is before, like now we're marketing even more like our, our audience is hundred a thousand times what it was when I was doing the shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it'll be interesting if I do start doing shows again, I think the turnout will be really good, you know, cause the books are kind of everywhere and people know, and um, I can't even keep up with my schedule with podcasts and meetings and zooms with people that, you know, classroom visits, that kind of stuff. So it's been a huge blessing, but I'll probably start doing shows again at some point. Might be worth it to look into some homeschool ones or homestead ones, because everybody is so driven for the self-sufficiency right now that, um, these types of activities, getting the kids involved, especially the kids we were talking about that move at those pivotal, pivotal, (laughs) those hard ages where um, having to leave their friends and redefining who they are in a much different setting. I think these could be really helpful. Well, I have a heart. Like I said, my, whether I'm coaching, whether when I was a teacher or principal, my goal is I want every kid to know that they matter. And I want to make an investment with every, every student that goes to my building. And I feel like in a small way through these books, they can learn something that'll help them in their life. Even though I don't know them or haven't met them, they can still get something positive about their life and they can use in life. So that, that's challenging to do when you're writing the fourth and fifth and sixth graders, but I think it does it. I mean, I, I laugh. I think I'm designed to work with middle school age kids. I just, that's where my brain's at, you know, as far as storytelling. So my husband's the same way he can connect with kids. You know, I work, I teach at our co-op. I'm a 4-H leader. I do a little bit of everything. And my husband comes right along and just really connects with, especially the boys. He's a Mm -hmm. military vet and he just, he finds the troubled kids and they just click. 
Yeah, well, that's one thing we didn't talk about. I do have one adult book out, and it's called Light the Fire. And it's actually, it's Light the Fire, Inspire and Impact Kids. And it's really, the whole book is dedicated to uh, chapters on ways to to make a meaningful relationship with kids. Light the Fire. I Yep, it's, like that's getting purchased today. So, oh, awesome! Yeah, no, it's and it's really. I wanted to write it for coaches, foster parents, parents, co- teachers, um, anybody you know, Sunday school te- anybody that really wants to know what can I do with today's generation? How can I really imp- make an impact in a kid's life? And um, the reviews are pretty good on that so far. But I'm real passionate about that too. Oh, I I think that's great. You know, I'm writing the book Self Sufficient Kids right now, and I, it's even stuff where I watch my husband he sat underneath the table during co-op yesterday with an autistic kid to get him to pay attention to my ag class. So, I mean, it was just to watch him make those choices without me even having to be like, Hey, deal with him. You know, Yeah. So that was pretty cool. A kid he had just met too. And they were like, good. The kid was sitting in his lap by the end of it. So. I, I spoke at a, a big men's conference on Saturday and I, and I really implored the audience. There's never in my opinion, been a time in human, human history that kids need loving, caring, safe adults more than now. And that's mm-hmm. has to do with a lot of different things. But I just really feel like, um, you know, we all have people that made a huge impact in our lives, whether it's a coach, a teacher, a family member. But I really think that kids more than ever need a loving, safe adult in their life that just says, hey, I see you. I hear you. You matter to me. What can I do to serve you? You know, I mean, I just think that kids need that now more than ever. Absolutely. I'm actually, I just wrote that down. So, <laughs> uh, so this is kind of a perfect time at the end of, towards the end of my episodes, I always ask all my guests, what does keep growing mean to them? What does keep growing? Yeah. The theme for my podcast is helping you, you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. Mm-hmm. Well, I, one thing I teach PD on grow, a growth mindset, and I feel like every day is a gift and I I try to get better every day. I learn something new from a lot of students every day. A lot of kids teach me things every day, but my goal is every day to get better, to get smarter. I listen to a lot of books um, because I drive quite a ways for work. But for me, I I hope to have 40 books someday. And um, at some point I'll be a full-time author. I I mean, I'm close to that now, Um, but I I still want to have an impact with kids. So every day I view as a challenge and a day to, to make a difference and to get better. And um, I enjoy the grind of, of getting better. That's awesome. I definitely can feel you on that one. That's what lights my fire is learning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Well, where can everybody find you or your books or social media? Yeah. So uh, lanewalker.com is, is, is a site. Um, lanewalkerbooks.com it'll take you to the same site but you know lanewalker.com we're also on amazon if you want i I always tell people read the reviews on our website we have i think 600 reviews which is Mm -hmm. phenomenal but on amazon we are highly ranked and have a ton of reviews and you know these are all people i don't know they just read the books um our reviews are outstanding because kids love the books so uh that makes me real excited um so yeah, I'd go to lanewalker.com. I think we're having a 30% off promotion right now too for the month of February. So um, go nice. check it out. And you're definitely going to be airing in February. So Awesome. All right. Uh, I will I'd be happy to send people your direction because I think what you're doing is great. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. I 
uh, really loved our chat and I hope that you have your 40 books soon. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education, and I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at the Homestead Education and Instagram at Homestead underscore education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? Please email me at hello at the homestead education.com. Until next time, keep growing.